It's a wonderful thing to be able to be in the church and to be a part of the family of God and to know we're headed to heaven. And I hope that you're happy because that's where you're headed as one of God's children. Have you ever uh, been somewhere where you were expected to do something and there wasn't any way that you could think about getting out of it? Several years ago, I had gone up to uh, a town in Kansas to do a little workshop with the uh, elders and deacons who were there. And uh, we had gathered on a Friday evening and then on Saturday morning, then I was coming home. And so on Friday evening, I got up and I made a little talk about uh, the church. And uh, it was a nice group, was evidently well received. And uh, I got through, then one of the elders was going to be in charge of kind of the next session. And uh, he got up and he said, well, what I'd like for us to do is, I'd like for us to tell everybody what we don't like about them. And I kind of laughed. I thought, you know, he's kind of kidding here. But he was serious. And he said, I'd like for us to start with a youth minister. And when he told all the things he didn't like about the youth minister and somebody else kicked in and they began to tell things, I thought, this is terrible. This is supposed to be a time of encouragement and, and build them up and... Here we are tearing each other down, so I just left. And uh, as long as they were going on that way, I just stayed out of there, you know, and I didn't want to go back, but I couldn't think of any way I could get out of it. I mean, I was going to have to be there, and uh, it was uh, not a very pleasant time at all, at least for me. But if you got your Bible, in John chapter 13, we find there is something similar going on here in the life of Jesus. John 13, we find that Jesus is spending His last night on earth with the disciples whom He loves. And the Bible says in John chapter 13, verse 1, that Jesus knew that His hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. You see, Jesus had foreknowledge, and there are some good things about God having foreknowledge, but there are some bad things about it too. Because the Lord knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew that uh, His life was going to be taken by men who hated Him. And Jesus knew that that's exactly what was going to take place. And then in the last part of verse 1, it says of His disciples, But He loved them to the very end. These men had been with Jesus for roughly three years. They had seen His miracles. They had followed Him as He was engaged in conversations about the law of God and about the purpose of God for man upon the earth. And, and these men were, were good men, and they had followed Him. And for three years, they had been together. And then we come to verse 2, and the Bible says that Jesus knew what was going on. That is, the devil had already prompted Judas to betray Jesus, and Jesus knew that. The Bible says in verse four of verse eleven, for Jesus knew who would betray him. Can you imagine how it would be with somebody that you knew who was going to try to do you in? Somebody who was uh, planning on your assassination and your death, and here you are just being friendly with them and nice with them, despite all the things that you knew about that. And as they were in that room, Jesus looks around and. Uh, he sees something. He sees that there is a pitcher. He sees that there is a basin. And he sees that there is a towel. 
That wasn't unusual in Bible days to see that. And uh, you would have thought somebody would have made a, a move over to use those things that had been left there so that they could do what normally was done, and that is the washing of feet. Now, the Gospel of Luke says that Jesus had sent two men ahead to prepare for the Passover. He'd sent Peter and he'd sent John. And so not only did they get the lamb and get the fruit of the vine, get the, the wine and get the uh, bitter herbs that they were going to have, but also they had made preparation for the common practice of washing feet. And so there was a pitcher, there was a basin, and there was a towel. You might wonder why somebody didn't uh, step up and, and wash the disciples' feet. And the reason was that uh, earlier, if you'll read, that the disciples had been arguing about which of them was going to be the greatest. Who was going to have the uh, chief place in the kingdom of God? Who was going to be the top dog? And the uh, job of washing feet was the job of the person who was the lowest on the totem pole. The servant that had the least amount of authority, the least amount of influence, that would be the job that he would be assigned. And not any of the disciples wanted to think that that was them. Because they were thinking about which was going to be the greatest, not who was going to be the least in the kingdom of God. You know, if you would uh, stop by my house and uh, ring the doorbell, I'd open the door and say, well, good to see you. Uh, may I take your coat? And I'd take your coat and I would hang it up someplace. And then I might say, would you like something to drink? And uh, if you wanted, maybe if it was cold, you might want a hot cup of tea or a cup of coffee or something. Maybe if it was uh, a different weather, maybe you'd want something cool to drink. And then I would say, well, come over, let's sit down and talk. And we would go in and sit down on the couch and we would visit. And that's kind of the way things would be carried on. But that's not the way things were carried on in Jesus' day. You see, in Jesus' day, everybody wore sandals. And the way that most travel took place was by walking. And the roads were dusty. And also along the same paths, there would be donkeys and there would be camels. And you can't imagine what it was if they would leave along the path. And so as a guy was walking along, he uh, undoubtedly would at times happen to step in one of those things. And here he was when he finally got to the place where he was, he was going to have his feet washed. And all of that dust and all of that whatever else was uh, there in the path that got on his shoes and on his feet, it would be taken care of. And as Jesus' disciples gathered, evidently they talked a while, but uh, in verses 4 and 5, nobody made a move. And Jesus looked around and what He saw were proud hearts and dirty feet. And as Jesus saw those, the Bible says that Jesus got up and He took off His coat or His robe, and as He took off His robe, He then was prepared to do something that the disciples didn't know about. That is, He laid it aside, and He got the towel, and He wrapped the towel around His waist, 
And as he wrapped a towel around him, he was preparing for a job that nobody wanted. And that is, then he got the water, and he got the basin, and he poured water into the basin, and then he got it, and he went around, and he washed the disciples' feet. All the dirt, all the muck, all the whatever else there was that was on him, he then washed the feet of each of the disciples, and then he dried them off. Can you imagine a picture where Jesus Christ, who is God, was down on his hands and knees and washing the feet of those disciples? You would have thought, surely, one of them, when he started, would have said, Lord, don't don't let let me let me handle this, Lord. Let, let me do this. I don't want you down doing that. Well, there was one of the disciples who did object, and that was Peter. And he said, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And the Lord said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, he said, You're not going to have any part of me. And Peter said, Well, Lord, then wash me all over. He said, No, he said, You've taken a bath and you don't need to be cleaned all over. All you need is to have your feet washed. You know, I would have thought that after the Lord had gone around and washed the feet of twelve men, that there would have been one of them who surely would have said, Lord, let me wash your feet. But as far as we know, Jesus' feet were never washed. And the disciples that had that opportunity, they were men who passed it up, and they let the Lord just continue on with dirty feet even though they had the power and the opportunity to wash the feet of Jesus. As you follow on down in that passage, in verse 14, Jesus says to them, And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. Now what a, a, a great thing that would have been if they would have said, Lord, let us wash your feet. And let us wash the other man's feet too, because we want to be exactly like you. Now, I've always wondered what it was like when Jesus came to Judas. You see, Jesus knew that he was a traitor. Jesus knew that he had already made the arrangements for uh, Jesus to be crucified. And yet, here he comes to Judas, and down on his hands and knees, Jesus washes the feet of the man who betrayed him, and the man who was going to sell him for 30 pieces of silver. I wonder what it would be like if uh, one day somebody knocked on your door, and uh, you went to the door to answer, and as you opened the door, you were shocked to see it was President Donald Trump. And uh, you wouldn't know what to say. And, and Mr. Trump said to you, Listen, don't worry, I've not come to ask you for money. Nor have I come to ask you to vote for me. But what I've come and to ask you is this. May I wash your toilets? You say, what? May I wash your toilets? Well, come on in. And you lead him into where the bathroom is, and you see the President of the United States, he takes off his coat, and he kneels down, and he gets a rag. You show him where the cleaning supplies were, and he cleans your toilet. 
Now, that would have been quite a sight to think the president cleaning your toilet. But you know, it's even a greater sight when you think that Jesus Christ, who was God, who put on the skin of a human and came to earth, that He was down washing the feet of those that He loved, those His disciples. You know, it is really great when somebody has that spirit of a servant. I read the story of uh, Donald Trump before he became president that on one occasion that he and his wife flew from New York to Philadelphia to attend a, a special kind of a dinner. And uh, he flew in his private plane and landed at the airport. He was picked up by a uh, uh, man who was going to be taking him and uh, his wife to the uh, party. And uh, it was a limo and nice, and he was sitting in the back seat. They're going along, and lo and behold, they had a blowout, had a flat. Well, the man who was a limo driver pulled over, opened up the trunk, and lo and behold, there was a spare tire, but there wasn't a wrench to change it. And he didn't know exactly what he was going to do. And about that time, a, a young man in a, an old pickup pulled in behind him and said, What's the trouble, fellas? And the uh, limo driver said, Well, he said, We've had a flat, and I just don't have a wrench to change it. He said, I probably got one here. I got a lot of tools. And he looked back, and he came with a wrench. And he came, and he changed the tire. And when he got through, Donald Trump rolled the window down. And he said, young man, that was really a nice thing you have done. Uh, I'd like to pay you. Man said, now, just glad to be able to help. He said, young man, he said, I'm, I'm Donald Trump, and I'd like to pay you for what you've done. He said, no. He said, that's okay. I'm just glad to do it. Mr. Trump said, well, at least give me your name and address, and I'll send your wife a bouquet of flowers to thank her for what you have done. He said, okay. And he gave him his name and his address, and he left. And uh, three days later, the young man's house, uh, a bouquet of flowers was delivered to his wife. And she was so thrilled, and she opened up the little card, and it said it was from Donald Trump. And he said, and P.S., your house mortgage has been paid off. Man. Sometimes it pays to be a servant. Sometimes it pays to do something that maybe you are not expected to do. I uh, love the words of Cheryl Batchholder, who was the CEO of Popeyes. And she said, The Bible verse that is on my calendar every day is Philippians 2.3. I haven't found one verse that's more paramount to me as to how I want to lead my family and my work. And the verse reads this way out of the New Living Translation. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Then in verse 16, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is a messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Do you think that from what Jesus did that they got the message of how He wanted them to live? Over in the book of Matthew, we began with the uh, verse from Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 through 28, when Jesus said this, But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world lord it over people, 
and officials flout their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to become great must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Anybody here volunteer to wash my feet? Anybody here want to volunteer? I would appreciate it if you did, but I thank you for your interest. You know, maybe if you don't want to wash feet, what do you want to do? If you will look inside your program, there is a little brown sheet that I would like for you to take out. And this has all the different ways that in different places that you might be a servant. Places that you might want to use the talents and the gifts that God has given you so that you can be a servant. Anybody not have one of these that would like one? If you hold up your hand. Good. If you would, please. Yeah. If you would, please, right up here at the front. Yeah. Hold your hand up, if you will, and we'll help them get distributed. Yeah, okay. If you will, look over there and, and see what kind of, of job you could do. What kind of ministry you could be involved in. What kind of service you could provide so that you would be one like Jesus who was a servant. Good. I'd like for everybody to take one, if they will, and look it over just a minute and, and think about where you could serve and, and what you could do and how you could be used in the kingdom of God so that there is not any job that is below you because Jesus said, He who wants to be great will be the servant of all. You know, we have those in our family who, who are servants, and for them we are so thankful. Yesterday morning we had a elders and deacons meeting, and uh, one of the deacons, one of the youth deacons, Randy Smith, was there, and Randy had been down in the Metroplex where he had taken his daughters to be involved in some activities down there, and then he had driven all night coming back, and he arrived at 6.30 in the morning. Now, the breakfast, the elders and deacons meeting was at 9.30, so he got maybe an hour or two sleep, and then he was there because... He is a servant, and He wanted to be used in the kingdom of God. And for that, I am so very thankful. Maybe you notice the uh, good work that's been going on out in the uh, front of our uh, building in the uh, flower beds. And uh, Courtney and Susan Smith, uh, Coward, Courtney and Susan Coward had uh, been seeing that that needed to be done. And so they took it on themselves to do that. Courtney is a licensed irrigator and uh, landscaper, but uh, he makes his living as a pharmacist. But he uh, saw that need, and so he and Susan took that on, and the flower beds look nice and are planted, and things are working well now because of servants. You see, that's what God's called us to be. That's what Jesus was. And He told His disciples, I've set you an example that you should follow and be even as I am. So if you will, be working on and get that all filled out. And uh, if you want to give it to one of the ushers when you leave, or if you just leave it on your test, then it will be picked up following our service today.
What a great thing it is to be in the church and to be a family of God. And we're going to sing a song of invitation this morning. Maybe there's a way we could be of help or encouragement to you. And if you'd like to come and respond in any way, we would invite you to sing our song of invitation together. Yeah. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come, just as I am thou wilt receive wilt welcome pardon cleanse relieve because thy promise I believe O Lamb of God I come Just as I am, thy love unknown has broken every barrier down. Now to be thine, yea, God. 